Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim. If you don't know who I am, it's good to have you with us this morning. Um, in a series we're calling Get Out, and we've been looking at this uh, now for several weeks, trying to find our ministry in our community. And uh, what I want to talk to you today is about the heart of our mission, the heart of our ministry, and that is mercy. Uh, if you look here, look at Jesus here, and, and uh, I think it's on your notes. Jesus, was when he looked at his community, look how he responded and what did he see. And look, look at what he saw. Because when he saw the crowds, he was deeply moved with compassion for them because they were troubled and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he told his disciples, the harvest is vast, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of harvest to send out workers into his harvest. It's interesting, I think, I noticed a few things here, that Jesus is making some observations when he looks at his community. As people cross paths with him, he notices their condition, first of all. He sees, he sees a, the, the, not just a problem, but he sees a purpose there. And he sees people are hurting, people are needing help. He has an eye for ministry. He has his eyes peeled for that. That's what he calls us to do. Another thing I notice is that um, he recognizes there's an opportunity. He uses the word harvest three different times in this passage. And he's noticing, he's noticing that, look, there's, there's a harvest, there's an opportunity. Not obstacles, not a problem, but there's a purpose again. There's, there's people here. He sees the trees, not just the forest. And when he sees the whole, the whole spectrum of what's going on in his community, he's able to single out and notice needs in people. But I also notice that Jesus sees a priority. Notice he says that the, that the harvest is vast or plentiful, but the workers are few. Why are there so few workers? It's because they don't see what's really going on in our community. If there's ever a time that Greater Alton Church needs to be focused on what's going on around them, it is now. It is now that we really see the needs of people. That we somehow, this series has been about this, to try to get, to try to get free and break free of, of this focus on ourselves so much. Because our society promotes it more and more and more. To focus on what are we getting. And Jesus was the opposite. His kingdom is about what he, what we can give. Rather than what we can get. But he sees that, it, that this mission is so important. That he's asking, he's saying to his disciples, ask the Lord, go to the throne of God about this. Talk to God about this, the Lord of the harvest. And ask him to get some workers to get out there and change their community. You see that? And that all comes from the, the thing that started this whole passage. And that's a heart that is deeply moved by mercy. Well, what is mercy? Do you have mercy? We'd like to, I'd like to think I have mercy. I'm not so sure after you get we done with this lesson, you're going to realize, you may realize, I don't have as much mercy as I need to have. How, you, know, you can't define mercy with one sentence. You, you, you really can't. Oh, it's mercy's forgiving people. That's sure. It sure is. But isn't it more than that? And forgiving people is a big deal. It's helping others. Mercy is, well, it's helping people. And that is true, too. When you extend mercy to someone, you're helping them. And, but that's true, but it's not limited just to just helping other folks. It's being kind and tender-hearted. Yes, it is. 
Mercy is doing that. It's, it's giving people what they need instead of what they deserve. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. These are all definitions of mercy. It's being empathetic and understanding towards other people. See, you can't define it with just one statement. Mercy is loving like God would be close. So, what is mercy? That's what I want to look at because, you see, mercy is at the heart of our mission. It's at the heart of your mission here on earth. Now, before we talk a little bit about that, let's talk about why. Why should I be merciful? Why should I be merciful, Tim? Well, number one, God has shown me mercy. That's why. God's given you mercy. Aren't you glad? I'm so thankful. During the Lord's Supper, you know, just reading that passage in Ephesians 2. What a passage, huh? In His great mercy made us alive. God made us alive. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18 about a guy who, a master, who owns, who, who uh, has, has a servant that owes him $10 million, 10,000 talents, that's close enough. $10 million. And he says, I want you to pay today. The bill is due today. And the, and the guy says, I can't pay. Have patience on me, please. Give me time so I can pay it back because I'm going to sell your family. I'm going to have to sell your stuff. I, please, I don't have the money. Be patient. Have mercy on me. And the master is so moved by that, he cancels the debt. Just cancels the whole thing. How would you feel if bank called you up and said, hey, you don't have to pay anymore in your house? Your car payment? Forget it. Are you kidding? Nah. Took care of. Well, this servant, you'd think he'd be so excited. He runs into a servant, another servant, that owes him $10. And he grabs him and goes, by the throat, hey, I need my money today. And the guy goes, I can't pay. Sounds just like the guy moments before, doesn't it? I can't pay. Give me pay. Give me some mercy. I'm not giving you any mercy. I want you, I'm throwing you into jail. And he throws him into prison. The other servants hear about it. Jesus, or the master, hears of it. Finds that servant that he had forgiven, that $10 million debt, and says, what are you doing? And look at the question he asks Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? And what's the answer? Yes. And God wants us to take the mercy He's given us and pass it on to others. That's one reason to be merciful. He's so merciful. So gracious to you and I. Number two, God commands me to be merciful. He wants you and I to be merciful so much He commands it. Micah 6 verse 8 says, The Lord God has told us what is right and what He demands. See that justice... Look at here. He says, here's what God wants. You want to know what God wants? Here's what He wants. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. What's Micah saying here? He's saying, according to God, there are three things He wants from you. Be fair, humbly obey, and sandwich right in the middle... Make mercy your first concern. Does that sound important? Sounds important to me. A third of what God wants me to do is be merciful. Look at Hosea 6 here. Look at this passage. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. What? What's that mean? Sounds like God's saying, 
I'd rather have you be merciful than have you sacrifice to me. I want that more than your sacrifices. He's, he's, what he's telling us here is that your mercy, my mercy toward others is more important than the worship we give God. I mean, think about it for a minute. How can we sit here, me included, me included, how can we sit here, sing songs, raise our hands, pray, give our money, be cordial to one another, and then leave this building and treat others like dirt? How's that possible? Am I the only person that does this? Anybody else want to raise your hand? Out of, there you go. Got it. There you go. Every head bowed. Every, no, no. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how does that happen? What is wrong with me? I need to be merciful. That's what's wrong with me. I need to remember how much God has given me. And that He demands it. He commands it. That a major chunk of my life is going to be about being merciful to people. There's a third reason, and that is I will need mercy. You're going to need mercy in the next 24 hours, next 24 seconds. You're going to say something, you're going to do something, you're going to think something, you're going to need mercy. Someday we're all going to need mercy when we stand before God. Look at the Bible says here in James 2, you must show mercy to others or God won't show mercy to you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at judgment. You show mercy, you've got nothing to fear. You'll be given mercy. And there's going to be a time you and I are going to need it. It works. It's true wherever we are, in, in our family, in our workplace. When we're merciful to others, guess what happens? We get mercy back. If we are not merciful at the workplace, step out of line once and look what happens. Just watch what happens. People call you out. But when you're merciful, you receive mercy. Number four, showing mercy brings me happiness. It's a primary source of happiness. That's what mercy is. Look at Proverbs 14 with me up here on the screen. If you want to be happy, be kind to those in need. That's a promise in the Bible. You want to be happy? Be kind, merciful. Look at this other proverb. A merciful person helps himself, but a cruel person hurts himself. Without mercy, I hurt myself. Without mercy, I'm miserable. But when I'm merciful, it helps me. The New Living or the uh, the Living Bible says, "Mercy nourishes the soul." It it brings me joy and happiness when I'm merciful. And in Jesus, we know this, we know what Jesus said in Matthew 5 here, happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. One of the most positive things you can do is, is to give mercy to people. As difficult as it is, as difficult as it is, it is so, it's so beneficial. Now you might be one of those people, and don't look at them, that might be cranky, frumpy, grumpy, abrasive, mean at times. And you're going, I don't understand why, I'm just not very happy. Could it be you're not giving mercy to people? Maybe that's the secret for you this morning. You say, well, I do give mercy and I'm still cranky and irritable and impatient and upset. Well, 
maybe it's not mercy you're really giving. Because Bible says, the Bible says, if you want to be happy, be a merciful person. So how do I fulfill my mission of mercy? Jesus had a mission of mercy, and he calls you and I to have it. Because, guys, this, this series, this Get Out series, we can go help people read. We can help people that have drug addictions. We can help people at the Senior Citizen Center. We can go out and find ministry in our community. But it's got to have mercy in the core. We've got to have this love for people and kindness and tenderheartedness for people. We've got to see their real needs out there and not just say, well, I'm doing something. It's a mission of mercy. How do I fulfill my mission of mercy? Number one, be patient with people's quirks. Don't look at anybody now. They may be looking at you. You know what I'm saying? Don't look at them. Notice I'm not even looking at you guys. I'll look over here. Be patient with people's quirks. I can't help it. But you know, Everybody's got a quirk. Are you one of those people that think, you know, I'm the only normal person around? <laughs> Guess what? You probably aren't. You aren't. You've got quirks. People have all these quirks. Mannerisms. You know, they're, they're odd behaviors. They have irritating habits. And they get on your nerves. You know someone like that? When you're merciful, a merciful person, they show mercy when they resist being irritated and angry and bothered with other people's quirks. Ephesians 4.2 says this. This is packed with meaning here. Be patient with each other. Would you circle each other? Now, why would I have you circle that? I'll tell you why. Because everybody's got a quirk. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. I have faults. You got faults. I got faults. All God's children got faults. I mean, we all got faults. Notice he says, tolerate and put up with. Make allowance. You tolerate, and what it means is to tolerate and put up with other, each other's faults because of your love. And look what it says in James, and we just read that a minute ago, in James 2 in the, in the, the Phillips translation. The man who makes no allowances for others will find none made for him. So we have to be patient with people's quirky behavior. Everybody's got them. When you're, when you're showing, when you're wanting to be a merciful person, you put up with that. It's not important to you. The second thing is, I put myself in other people's shoes. I put, that's called empathy. Um, NPR did a, uh, uh, reported this week a study, um, a medical study, about taking Tylenol. Uh, it seems that we've been taking aspirin and types of Tylenol, Americans have, since 1865. We've been taking this, uh, that a qu- uh, it was a quarter, I'm sorry, a quarter of Americans, 25% of Americans take Tylenol every week. Every week. 25% of us. I'm not asking for hands. And they did a study to find out what, what, is, what the effects of it are. And one of the things they found, they were surprised by. They didn't notice. It, it kind of caught them off guard. And that is those that take Tylenol on a regular basis have less empathy for those in pain. 
Now, why do you suppose that's true? Because they're not in pain. They've lost touch with pain. You ever went with some, been with somebody and, and you're talking to them and they happen to have the same ailment you got? My shoulder hurts, you know. Yeah, mine too. You don't sit there and go, what's wrong? Suck it up, buttercup. What's wrong with you? No, you go, yeah, I got the same problem. You know, maybe we ought to do something. Yeah, let's go over here and whine. And we have this, we have this connection with people. But, and guys, we're so preoccupied with ourselves, I don't even know if we stop and think about anybody else. Generally speaking. Now, I've asked Sharon Adair to come out here. Uh, Sharon is going to share a little bit about uh, something from her ladies' retreat on compassion. I want to tell you, I believe Sharon is one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. Would you agree with that? She's just such a sweetheart. And so, Sharon, come on out here and talk a little bit about <laughs> I think the best part I like about what Sharon was sharing was the idea of thinking, just stopping and thinking about this person, what they're going through, what's going on. And uh, I know that when I found out last week that that was one of the things she was doing, I started doing that this week, seeing what it would do for me. And it's amazing how things like Orlando, Louisiana, Minnesota, and Dallas all come into perspective and in context when you start being empathetic as to what you should do as a, as a Christian. Number three, and besides uh, being patient with people's quirks and putting myself in other people's shoes, number three, I help with people's hurts. That's number three. You know, a man walked up to Jesus one time and just said, what's in a nutshell? Can you give me, don't give me the Tim Gill version. Give me the Jesus version in two sentences or a sentence. What, what's more important? What's the most important things in the Bible. What's the most important commands? And and Jesus said, I can give it to you real quick. Love God and love others. Love God and love your neighbor. If you remember, the guy goes, seeking to justify himself, said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. You all remember the story of the Good Samaritan. A guy gets beat up on the road to Jericho. Here comes a priest by. He sees it, walks by. A Levite, he sees it, walks by. And then comes a Samaritan, and it says he had compassion on him. He had mercy. And what does this mercy cause him to do? He sees the problem, sees the guy needs help, and he puts him on his own donkey, takes him to an inn, takes care of the bill. And then Jesus asks this guy a simple question at the end. Which of these three was a neighbor? He's not telling him that uh, you need to, you know, uh, figure out who needs to help so much as are you going to be a helpful person? Are you figuring that out? That whoever God crosses paths with you, whoever that be that's hurting, will you recognize it and see it and do something about it? And so he says, which of these three was a neighbor? And here was the answer. Jesus gives this answer and looked in on your notes. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. How do you know uh, which, which guy is really the, the person that is really neighborly, that's really helpful, that's being what they need to be? You're merciful. And he says, he says, that is correct. Now go and do the same. So showing mercy is helping the people that are hurting around me. See, the priest and the Levite saw a problem. And that's what we're quick to see. But the Samaritan saw a person, a person that needed help. Look at this passage here in Proverbs 3. 
It says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. In Romans 12, as, as Paul is encouraging the church in Rome, he says, if you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and quick to respond. If you, if you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get in, uh, irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Now, how could I keep, why should I keep a smile on my face? Because you're the extension of God's hand right now when you're giving mercy, when you're helping people. Number four, if I want to fulfill my mission of mercy, I give people a second chance. I give people a... I'm hesitating because I, I have to work on this one. I have to work on this one. See, mercy is forgiving people who disappoint you and people that hurt you. And you're going to have people do that. You're going to have you're going to have coworkers, family members. What do you do when they hurt you? Friends, friendships. You give people a second chance, and I'm just going to speak for myself. You can decide where you are. That's not natural for me. It's just not natural. You see, my tendency is when. You know, if you said, Tim, what do you do when you get hurt? Okay, Tim says, get even. Tim recommends, I'm just telling you, being honest here, Tim recommends, write them off. But the Bible says something else. So I'm not talking from this great example here, okay? I'm just saying, look, I'm just going to appeal to the Bible and let the Bible speak here for a minute, okay? How about that? That's my tendency. Write them off. Get even, ignore them, snub them. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. Stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry. Okay. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others. Why does it say it like that? Why does the New Living Bible say dislike for others? Man, that just, there goes my excuse. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, that's the word mercy right there. Forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. The Bible says, God says, when people disappoint you, when people hurt you, don't snap at them. Don't, don't start being mean to them. Don't snub them. See, my, see I've got, I'm going to tell you guys, I've got some people in this congregation that have been hurt by family members and friends. And when I'm around those people that have hurt you, I want to snub them. I don't want to be nice. Because they've hurt you. i got people that have hurt me and I'm doing the same thing. But I'm telling you that I know people in this church, you've been hurt by somebody and I don't like it. And so I don't like them either. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I want to snub them. I don't want to speak to them. I want to act like they're not even around. In fact, when they walk in the room, I want to get out of the room. Is that the way it ought to be? Is that the way it's supposed to be? How is that going to make any difference? How is that the mercy of God? When you see the crowds and you see those people in there that have hurt you or hurt someone else, 
What did Jesus do? He saw his heart was broken and went out to them because they were hurt, troubled, harassed, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, there's just not enough people. Ask God for more people to bring mercy to this earth. To bring mercy. Now I want to make it clear here about something. Mercy is not ignoring sin. The cross did not ignore sin. It looked it straight in the eye. And sin blinked. Sin doesn't make excuses and give a pass for people that are in sin. But you cannot help people when you're a jerk that are in sin. Follow me now? You can't help people. They're not going to repent if you're rude. Now you're saying, Tim, you've been... I'm, not, I'm just telling you that's what I'm learning in this, this sermon. This sermon bothers me. Okay? So if it doesn't bother you, okay, you're just having a nice time. But if you're getting bothered like me, ooh, it bothers me. Because I'm thinking of the people that have hurt me. Do I give them a second chance? After God has been so kind and given me a second chance. No, when people disappoint you, when people hurt you, you don't snap at them. You don't be mean to them. And you don't get caught up in resentment. That's a dead end for bitterness. What an awful place to die. Because that's where you'll go. You'll die right there. You don't fuss. You don't fight. You don't put harsh words on the internet. No, you're kind. You're tender-hearted. You give them a second chance, just like God gives you a second chance. And I was reading Romans 2 early this morning before the first service, and it says that God's kindness leads to repentance. That don't make sense. It's God's wrath. Because God will zap me. I should change. If I don't change, I'm going to go to hell. If I don't change, I'm going to mess up my life. And he says, but you know, there's something that's a better motivator than all those put together. That's the mercy of God. I wonder if we tried a little more mercy. If I would try a little more mercy, would that help people change? I I got to thinking about this. You know, if I want, if I, uh, I'm going to say this ugly. If I'm going to fault on something, because I've been, I've had people say, Tim, you let people get away with stuff. You give them a pass. You look the other way. And I I want you to know I'm working on that. But if I'm going to fault on something, it's not going to be on calling people out and clobbering them. If I'm going to make a fault somewhere, I'd like to be on the mercy side. How about you? I want to, if I'm going to, I mean, the cross, Jesus goes way over the top on this mercy stuff. And it didn't seem to alarm him. He believed that would be the greatest motivation of all. And so in our effort to get even or to get to, you know, to hurt back, I get hurt. I get hurt all the time. And I know you get hurt all the time. And you, don't you want this hurt right back? It ain't going to get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere. Nothing really changes until you bring mercy to the picture. Number five, uh, <laughs> do good to those who hurt me. Really? Is this lesson getting tougher? Give people a second chance. Do good to those who hurt me. Remember what I said earlier. Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. you agree with that? 
I mean, aren't you glad God gives you what you need and not what you deserve? I'm so glad. Luke 6, Jesus said it this way. Love your enemies. What does that mean? Love your enemies. Okay, so I guess I'll just be nice to them. Love your enemies, Tim. Do good to them. Wait a minute. Now you're wanting me to go from feeling a certain way to actually doing something for them? Yeah, do good to them. I'm learning something about, about uh, mercy. It's not wimpy. It's not for the wimpy. It's for people who are really serious about changing the world and pleasing God. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Oh my. Lend to them? Yeah, lend to them. And don't be concerned about the fact that they won't repay. You mean they're not even going to give it back? No. Why would I do that? Well, your reward from heaven will be very great. I feel like Donald Trump when I said very great there. I'm sorry. But, it, but this is true. This is Jesus, not Donald Trump saying this. He goes, your reward in heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as sons of God. And look what it says here. For he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are very wicked. God is merciful to the ungrateful, the unthankful, Does that include the ungrateful, unthankful people in my life? It includes me and those people. The wicked people? He is kind, it says, to the unthankful and those who are very wicked. And it says, try to show as much compassion as your father does. This week I heard a guy say it this way, people who deserve my love the least are the ones that need it the most. See, this is the ultimate test of, of whether you and I are going to be able to complete our mission on this earth or we're going to get caught up in being bitter and, and in resentment. See, I notice something about me. When I hold on to my hurts, when I hold on to my grudges, I am one miserable person. And I notice the people around me aren't very happy either because I'm carrying this thing. I mean, anybody can get even when you stop and think about it. And a lot of us try to get even, don't we? And, what, and I heard it say it this way. We all try to get even. And what do we get? Even. Wow. Doesn't mercy call us higher than even? Doesn't God want us to do something higher than just even? And that comes with mercy. It comes with mercy. Now you may say, Tim, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can be merciful to some people. You're right. Okay. I think you're right. I can't be merciful to some people. So what are we going to do? What do we do? How about this? How about we call on the one who is merciful to us? that we get enough of His mercy that it will fill the gap between what we're able to give and what we need to give to others. And it just overflows. How about we get a deeper understanding of just how merciful God is to us? 
so we can extend that same mercy to others. So we can give people what they need and not what they deserve. Number six, if I want to fulfill my, my mission of mercy, I start building bridges of love to the unpopular. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm talking about people in your neighborhood, people in your workplace, people in your family, just people in general in your community. They uh, live a different lifestyle. They may be different religiously, maybe dress differently, maybe talk differently. You know, we are a melting pot, aren't we? Isn't our country a melting pot? It sure is, and it's becoming more and more of that. And we're getting lots of lots of different kinds of people, different lifestyles. And you know what? You don't have to agree with all of it. It's here, whether you agree with it or not. And it's here to stay. What do I do with that? Do we hunker down, lock our doors, and say we don't want anybody outside coming in? Protect our own? What would Jesus do in this situation? See, these are the kind of people that are ignored in our society. They're not part of the mainstream. They're odd. They got some way out beliefs and behavior. What? You're doing what? You believe what? You see, when I read my Bible, I notice that Jesus is strategic and he goes after people like this. He actually intentionally approaches the riffraff of his community. Look at this passage here in Matthew 9. It says, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? You know, before I can be like Christ, I'd like to be like Matthew. Invite, what's the last time I've had any wicked people, you know, in my house? Scum, they'd call them. I've been thinking about that. So they asked, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn. These are experts now of the Bible. Religious people. You need to go and learn the meaning of the scripture. And here's Hosea 6.6. 6. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. Jesus says, I want you to go back and learn what the Scriptures really are teaching. See, our culture has really jaded us when our, with our interpretation of Scripture. It really has. And, he's, and it's, happened, it's happened to the Jews at that time. And Jesus goes, where do you think I should be? I'm supposed to be here. That's where the doctor is. He's with the sick. He doesn't deny they've got problems. But he doesn't stay away from them. He doesn't keep his distance from them, he gets right in there with these people. He says, I want you to understand, I want you to go back and look at this scripture, that I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. See, mercy intentionally builds friendships with people who normally don't have friends, who are not accepted by the mainstream. Why are you doing this, Jesus? You know, Jesus answers that question. He answers that question. And he answers it probably in a modern way to say it like this. 
I'm doing this because you cannot win your enemies to Christ, but you can win your friends. You guys, you're not going to win your enemies. Hollering at people, telling people they're wrong, get out of here. I don't agree with you. You know, that, that ain't going to work. You're not going to win anybody. You don't win enemies that way. You don't win anyone by being rude. No, you offer mercy to people. You, you're going to win your friends. You realize that? Only the friends you have, you're going to, you have influence on. Not your enemies. And so, I, I don't know, I just... I remember, I remember when Greater Alton used to be criticized for all the riffraff we had here. And I'm not saying you're not riffraff, you know, although I don't know what that means. But I'm saying that I remember when we used to be criticized, they let anybody, they let anybody in there. And I got all kinds of weird people in there. I remember hearing one guy say, I'll come in to see if your church was normal. And I said, and what did you find out? It's not. And I said, well, you haven't helped our stats either, you know, by being here. You know, we're all, we all got, like I say, we all got quirks, we got problems. But I want you to know right now, I am not being criticized at all by anyone for being with riffraff. For being with gay or lesbian, persuade, you know, people of that persuasion. I'm not being criticized for t- actually talking to Democrats. I'm not being criticized for talking to to. I'm not, well, you know why? Because I'm not talking. To, I'm not really, well, maybe a Democrat or two. But you know what I'm saying? About, I'm saying is that that's not my reputation anymore. I'm not sure if it's ever been. But if we're going to reach the world and change the world, we've got to have, we've got to be merciful and give mercy to people that are unpopular. Doesn't mean you agree with them, but you're not going to be able to persuade them. By being an enemy of them. Number seven. Number seven. I value relationships over rules. If I want to have mercy and be a merciful person, and this is hard to do, um, and that is I value relationships over rules. Are you a rule keeper? Well, rules are good, right, Tim? Absolutely, I'm a rule keeper. Rules are good. I like rules. We need rules. There's some people that don't go by the rules. See, that's what start. That's what happens to me. I start going from yes, I'm a rule keeper, but then I get start. I get all concerned about people who are breaking the rules. To the point that I'm not noticing the person. I'm too busy being caught up in the procedure. You follow me? Where are you at with this? Rules matter, but relationships matter more. I watched this happen to me at church camp. I'm watching counselors not being where they're supposed to be, being on their cell phones. I'm going, you're supposed to be over here, you're supposed to be over there. And, I can, and the look on their faces like, why are you being so demanding? It's because I'm into rule breaking and you've broken a rule. What really is going on is I'm having to sweep up and I'm seeing you stand around doing nothing and I'm bitter about it, so I'm going to use a rule to get you to do what I want you to do. Are you into rules? So much that if somebody's breaking a rule, you just can't tolerate that. You forget that's a person like you. By the way, we all break rules. 
Why is it when I break a rule, it's not as bad as when someone else does? I'm just figuring that out. I'm still working on that. Look what Jesus says here in Matthew 12. This is after the disciples have walked through the wheat field and they've pulled some wheat with their hands. And if you ever lived on a farm and went through a wheat field, you can pull it right off. Put it right in your mouth and chew it up. It's kind of cool. Nature's gum is what I call it. And so these guys are eating wheat as they're walking through the fields. And someone says, like, like a spiritual referee, they've thrown a flag, eating wheat on the field on the Sabbath, 15-yard penalty. And so Jesus is addressing that, and he says, he goes, why, are you guys, why do you guys break the Sabbath and work on the Sabbath? Oh, come on. He says, haven't you read in the Scriptures, again, we go back to the Scriptures, folks, what David did when he and his companions were hungry, he went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. Question, did they break the law? Jesus said they broke the law. They broke the law. He goes, and haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who's even greater than the temple, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples. Wait a minute, they broke the law. Jesus says, but they're innocent. But they broke the law. They're innocent. How's that possible, mercy? But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. Hosea 6.6 I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices there's anything we need anything we need right now in our congregation our families marriages where we work in our nation mercy God desires mercy He desires you and I to show mercy My question for you today is, where do you need to show mercy? Of these seven that we've looked at this morning, as you look back through them, I know you've got a prayer card, you're going to start filling that out if you haven't already. And during the song, maybe look at the notes again and just ask yourself, maybe circle two of them. I'm going to work on these two this week. I'm going to really show some mercy. Give people some margin here for error who if you have the courage write down who you need to give mercy to today we're going to sing a song here and take those cards up uh, after a second song give you a a chance to write whatever you want to write and then we'll sing another song take up those cards in our contribution I just want to encourage you this week Maybe more than ever, we take a lesson today and really apply it to our week. Maybe, maybe you need to show more mercy to your wife, guys. Or ladies, maybe it's your husband that needs some mercy. Maybe it's your parents that need some mercy. Or maybe it's your kids. They need lots of mercy. <laughs> Maybe that's, what the, that's where it has to come from. Maybe it's a coworker. Just, I mean, they are irritating you, and you're like, man, you're never going to win them. You're never going to bring them to Christ as long as you're just grumpy and frumpy. Let there be a smile on your face this week, and let the mercy that God gives you and I 
just ooze out of us. Let's pray and then uh, I'll turn it over to the worship team. Father, thank you for an interesting, interesting uh, lesson. Father, it's so quiet in here and I know what that means. That means everybody's thinking. And Father, take advantage of, of, of this moment right now, Father. Help us understand how are we doing when it comes to mercy. Are we patient with people's quirks, Father? Help us deal with this. When's the last time we put ourselves in someone's shoes and just thought about it for a while? We really concentrated on it rather than just giving it a passing thought. Father, who's hurting around us that needs your mercy? Father, who needs a second chance from you and from us? Father, help me see what good I need to do to those who have hurt me. To put my mercy, to let it be more than an emotion or a, or a desire, but become an action. Father, who is it around me that I need to build a bridge with? That just they're an outcast at work, on the campus, in my neighborhood. They're not part of the mainstream. They're different. They look different, talk different, act different. Father, would you help us this morning make a commitment to build a bridge with someone, someone that people would call such scum, so we can learn the meaning of how much you want mercy. And Father, help us as rule keepers not to get caught up in rule breaking, but as we talk to one another and as we talk to our friends about how their sin, that we not forget our sin. And the mercy you've given us, that we come across and communicate kindly and clearly and free of this judgmental, bitter spirit that we can so easily get ourselves into. Father, I pray for Stephanie and Jackie and, you know, it's so good to see Janet McBride sitting in the crowd today again. And Father, I know there's those that are sick that are that are dying that are struggling father i just pray and we pray for them that you you work and comfort them and give them health give them give them a good day today and give them father some recovery we pray in christ's name amen